You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Hey, Tim, you decided to finally show up for your own show. Thank you. I know, how about that? I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was one of those weeks where I like I just, I, I wasn't going to be able to be a good host. You know, I like I wouldn't have... No, 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 you were, you were radio silent. No, it was radio silent. radio silent. And when you go radio silent, it's like, damn, this is not going to be a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like, uh, and I just wasn't going to, I was going to have to bump it a day, which is just like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. So I, I messaged Brent and I said, hey, man, can you jump in? <laughs> and it worked out perfect. And actually, Brent did a great job. And so. Yeah, he, it was tolerable. It was tolerable. <laughs> no, actually, I want to thank Brent for jumping in. That that helped me out quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back this week. I don't What's the news week look like this week? Anything <laughs> anything happened this past week? You'd stop being a smart ass. <laughs> oh, before we get into that basket, oh man, talk about a can, that's not just a can of worms. I feel like this is like a basket of snakes. I don't I don't know. <laughs> so, before we get into that cuz you all know what we're talking about, if you don't, where have you been for the last week? Um, we are a member of the Suicide Squadcast network, which includes Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast with Ray and Brent. I know that Fans this week will be a Black Panther review and DC TV Squadcast. I don't know because there's only one show on this week so that's gonna be an interesting episode they'll probably talk black panther <laughs> this is my guess who knows <laughs> and then we also have dc comic Squadcast with chris and jordan which they're talking metal and doomsday clock and all the stuff that i'm not listening to because i am so behind that's not quite the advertisement we were looking for there scott <laughs> i'm just i chris and jordan at this point just they don't even know when the last time was i watched i listened to an episode so you know what it just it happens no no i, I am so thankful for that show actually because like i've put reading comics off to the side for quite a while now just because of other priorities and all that and uh it's actually great because like i don't listen to every show but i'll like i'll jump in and uh and just kind of get an idea of, like what's going on so it's like i can listen to that show get a little bit up to speed you know it's something i could do on my commute to work so i think they're doing a great job it's a great listen man see there's the advertisement we were looking for that's exactly okay. right <laughs> <laughs> and um and also we are on patreon patreon.com slash squadcast media where if you are able we'd really appreciate if you think we deserve it if you you could throw a few dollars a month our way to help us keep the lights on and as always starting at the five dollar tier you get access to a private rss feed with you know all kinds of goodies b-roll extra shows and tim and i were just talking about the fact that we probably about a week or so we have got to get together and do our x-men 2000 review for the movie Squadcast. we're back on the modern track back on our modern track yeah that will be happening pretty soon and then after that is Superman the movie from 1978. It'll be a fun one. Um, so this delay is entirely due to me. Uh, I've, 
as always, all, all delay, all delays are Tim's fault. It's because I want to be on this one, <laughs> and I just haven't, I haven't been able to squeeze it in. But like starting next week, I'm, I'm freeing up. So looking forward to that. I also have a, a Patreon conversation that I need to drop of us, Scott. If you remember this, we talked about cartoons from when we were kids. Oh, that's right. I, I know. And, and you just reminded me that that was like from two weeks ago. And it was never produced that. Okay. I, I just, I haven't had a chance to, to throw that out there. So I'm gonna do that uh, this upcoming week and drop that out there. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun talking about that. So anyway, that's one of the benefits you get. Uh, you know, as we say, we we want to stay a fan supported network. Uh, we don't want to advertise. We don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we just we want to rely on you guys. So we appreciate all the support work you guys have been giving us. And also uh, another great way to support us if, you know, that's free is uh, leave us a review. I know we're not doing the giveaway anymore, but we still appreciate reviews on whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to our show to help other people find out about our show. And we would greatly appreciate that. So thank you so much, especially for all of you who have done it for the past two and a half years. We really appreciate that. Definitely. All right. So enough of that. We need to get onto this news. So where do we begin? <laughs> um, start at the very beginning. It's sure. a very good place to start. I mean, that's what Julie Andrews taught me. Um, <laughs> Okay, so there was a tweet that went out. Uh, I believe Sunday this past this yes. past Sunday. Yes, uh, it was from Josh L. Dickey, who basically was announcing in this Twitter thread that he was leaving entertainment journalism, and basically was kind of doing a highlight reel of different stories he had been writing while he was at Mashable. And the tweet that kind of caused the storm was a tweet that he said, "Since I'm." Shifting Shifting into DGAF mode, here's a hot one for you. Zack Snyder was fired from the DCEU just over one year ago. Couldn't write it quite that way at the time, but was able to tap dance around it. And then he said clumsy, oblique headline, not mine, because he also included a uh, link to the story that he was referring to, which was the one that talked about the Snyder's role in the DCEU going forward as limited at best, dunzo at worst, which I guess means zero. I don't know what that means. So yeah, uh, and we t- and we talked about this article back when it first came out. I feel like so yeah, I think we would have yeah, because I remember that I remember reading this article. I'll say that yeah. So basically, the idea was Josh Dickey was saying yeah, Snyder didn't just leave; he was fired. Now that has caused how shall I put this elegantly a crap storm on Twitter, <laughs> pretty much yes, and, and social media, and a lot of different sides arguing a lot of different things. You've been involved in some conversations, I know, Tim. I know I've definitely been involved in some conversations about this. And I feel like that tonight, a, a good chunk of the discussion is us kind of talking talking to you guys one-on-one. Well, welcome in. Pour yourself a drink. Well, we're going to talk through it. We, we need to talk through this. Yes. We need to talk through this. Yes. Uh, because something that you said in the tweet uh, that you sent out back on Sunday, and it's important for people to remember, is, guys, we don't know how to put this as um, – but we knew this kind of basically. I mean, is that fair to say, Tim, in some form or fashion? Yeah, we knew it. Uh, we we were not the ones that obtained direct knowledge of it, but we we knew it from pretty reliable sources that this was uh, that this was the kind of word that was going on, and it's been going out there for quite a while. And then we're going to have to kind of talk through this because some people don't understand why this is just now coming out. But we had heard um, this way back in December, December, like early December, right? Okay, so it. So so just so, because I know that a lot of people, I'm going to go ahead and address this criticism. A lot of people have been given bloggers and journalists some crap for the comment of, we've all known about this for a while. It's just now coming out. 
And I thought if we started saying that, people might give us an equal amount of crap. I would direct you to episode 131. Tim pro- Tim appropriately named that episode, Everybody Knows, or Do They? <laughs> and it was posted on December 4th, 2017, which was two weekends after uh, the release of Justice League. Uh, if you go to about the 20 and a half minute point, you can hear a comment. Tim, I'm suspecting you're probably going to be dropping in right about now to let everybody everyone hear what we said on that episode oh uh go ahead just put more pressure on me (laughs) of course yeah there wasn't like major major information here uh there's just some some little nuances here which you know i'm sure other people will kind of jump on and kind of dig into and try to add to some of these details here or corroborate uh i, I would just say this there is more to the story scott you and i we've been talking to people we've been talking to some people we've been connecting some dots um there is more to the story there's more that's going to come out it probably won't come out until late december or later is our that's our personal speculation on it right but more i know some of you are going to groan when you hear this, but there's more to the story and it's going to come out. Yeah, it definitely will come out. And the reason it's not coming out right now is because the people that know some of this information or talk to some of these people in the studios and, and know some of the details here. Let's be honest, they're, they need to be careful about putting some of this information out because they do have a working relationship to try to get information from these studios. And, and right now is the time that they're trying to make as much money on this film as they can. And so now's not the time to really be the burn one, those bridges <laughs> to burn those bridges. And so you're just not going to see anything just yet. But I would say just just hang on. There's more coming to the story. Yeah, we know we know some things that we cannot share, but that out of confidence. But and there's other things we just suspect. Right. So we'll talk about it when we can talk about it. Yep. Well, so basically all we're trying to say is like, you know, we've kind of known about this. Other people have known. I mean, it's not like we exclusively knew about it. There are other people kind of in our community that have known about it. Uh, Other people from some of the sites that publish, you know, stories about comic book news and that kind of thing. Like they've known about this. We we have no direct knowledge. Basically, we had people who trusted us to say, hey, just want to give you guys a heads up. This is coming down the pipe. We just didn't know when it was going to come out. And I think, Tim, even you said or I said, or we were both saying the the, the only question in our minds was who was going to be who was going to be first, who was going to dip their toe into that water, right, to get this ball rolling, and it just turned out to be Josh Dickey, and the fact that he was leaving entertainment journalism, I think, is the perfect explanation for why is it coming out now. Well, and that tells you everything you need to know about why people didn't do it, because this is the thing: if you're if if you're a journalist or if you're any kind of these sites that really kind of depend on on having any kind of working relationship with these filmmakers or the studios, there is a give and take. Like, you know, you can't, con- if, you, if you're going to going, if you're going to constantly write nothing but the ugly and dirty side of what's going on behind the scenes, then you're not going to get access to these studios. This is just the reality of it. This is the same thing in any kind of journalism. Uh, you kind of have to kind of play ball a little bit. And that's kind of what was going on here. And since, uh, since Dickie was kind of like, as Scott said, leaving the business, you know, he felt involved to finally said, hey, you know, I'll be the one that kind of like most publicly says it. Uh, now, there there have been other people that have said things or kind of made comments along these lines, but n- nobody quite from a site, at least somebody that uh, used to write a lot more high profile stories about, you know, things going on with some of the studios. So this was kind of like the first, you know, big statement along these lines that I saw. Right. And I think part of our discussion tonight is also going to be the understanding of what is being meant 
when it is said that Zach was fired. Because while that's catchy, it makes a great headline and kind of communicates the fact that Snyder's no longer working on the DCEU. Uh, Tim and I agree that the situation requires a lot more nuanced discussion than just using a buzzword like fired. Yeah, absolutely. While it might be effectively the end result, a lot of people's questions, and especially some of our listeners who have reached out to us on social media asking us what we think or what do we know, I think it just boils down to is you need to understand what this actually means and not get so hung up on the word fired. Because as the Princess Bride said, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, and the, and this is the thing too, and it's not just people out in the fan community. I would say we've even had these discussions internally amongst our network. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and that's the other thing I just kind of want to make clear. Like when Scott and I had received some of this information a while back, we weren't even telling our co-hosts <laughs> in this network. We weren't telling any of our co-hosts. We weren't telling any of them because, you know, we had made certain promises. Yeah. You know, basically trust is paramount. You know, when you're told something in confidence, we, you know, we, we don't reveal it to anyone, even amongst our own group here. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> well, but that's just it. I mean, that's, that's, um, you know, you have to have trust. You have to have trust. And so, you know, at the time uh, we were saying, hey, this is going to come out. We were kind of predicting by the end of the year, we figured it was just going to be a matter of letting the studio and Justice League kind of breathe a little bit before this news came out. Came out a little bit, it came about out six weeks longer than we were predicting, I guess. So, yeah. But yeah, like I said, it, it eventually came out. Yeah, I will admit that coming out the week that the digital home release came out, yes, I will agree that that's um, interesting timing. I, 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 that fact did not escape me. I will agree. But that doesn't make, just because the timing was interesting does not make some of the information less true. And I think, and I think some people who want to dismiss the information want to dismiss it on the fact of the quote convenient timing of it. But yes, there could be the convenient timing of it, but that doesn't affect the reality of the situation either. Yeah, right. So I guess, okay, so let's talk about this. So um, there, when, when we read some of these articles that have kind of broken down the information about it, some things we've got to talk about is there is a, there's a fine line, in, especially in Hollywood, between being, quote, fired and voluntarily choosing to leak. That's one thing. And and I think this is something Tim and I talked about is some of you can understand that companies, corporations, businesses, they want to avoid outright firing you if they can. Simply because firing you leaves them open to all kinds of messiness that, you know, wrongful termination, suing, whatever, they just don't want to deal with. Well, it's not just that. It's it's also like being able to continue to attract the talent that they want. I mean, if you if you fire, you know, a talented director, that's going to make somebody maybe think twice about working with you, you know, at your studio. And so this is, you know, when we talk about like firing, usually, especially like Warner Brothers, I mean, when they kind of separate relationships with directors, it's usually like uh, creative differences or, you know, things like that. Which is just a catch-all statement. It's a catch-all statement. We don't know what actually happened. That's just the PR term for like when Famuia left The Flash or apparently, I didn't even know about this until I read uh, an article. I'm trying to remember who that one came from. Oh, that was from uh, Mario Francisco Rubles from Revenge of the Fans. Talked about all all this backstage drama that happened with that film adaptation 
expansion of it, with the development of that. You know, Warner Brothers apparently operates on a creative differences platform. Well, I mean, it's not just Warner Brothers, though. It's not just Warner Brothers. It's it's any of these studios, really. Right. But I think you need to understand, guys, is that a lot of people, they would rather you quit than you fi- than they have to fire you. I have been in jobs where I have not been on the receiving end of this, but there are employees who everyone acknowledges need to go. And at, at two different jobs I've had, I have heard it explicitly said that basically they are taking measures to make work intolerable. That's an important word that's going to come up later. In hopes that you will leave of your own volition so that they don't actually have to fire you. They'll just make it to where you want to leave instead of them making you. Right. And there was a company I used to work for. Uh, they, they basically had a philosophy where every single year they wanted to cut out the bottom 10% in terms of performers. And so they wouldn't fire these people. But what they would do is like everybody would get raises, but they wouldn't get a raise that year. And if you don't get a raise, <laughs> you know, if, if you're accustomed to getting a raise and other people are getting raises and you don't get a raise for a year, you're going to be probably leaving that company pretty soon. And so so Scott's exactly right. That's when we talk about like firing or trying to sever relationships, you know, it's usually not like you're fired and, you know, you hit the road. You're, it's usually a slower process than that. Or, or it's a situation that I'm familiar with, which is you suddenly realize that you're getting the shifts that no one wants to work and you're consistently getting those shifts, shifts that make it very inconvenient for you or they're the shifts that you know aren't the best shifts to get and those are the only ones you're getting. They know what they're doing. They, they, want, they want you to finally go, this isn't worth it. I quit. And then they're going, you know, secretly behind your back going, yeah, that's what we wanted. I mean, so this is how it works. So let's, uh, so I guess what we're trying to say here, we've kind of talked a, a few circles around this. Well, I think we, we, we were, we were front loading. We we're front loading for our discussion. We're front, we, we are front loading. But what we're saying is like, when we talk about the term fired, some people will take the term fired as one distinct definition, when in reality, there's lots of different definitions for the word fired. And let's just keep that in mind as we kind of talk through this. So I think we need to do a little bit of a history lesson here. Oh, just as a reminder for some people on this. Now, if you remember back, way back when Batman v Superman first hit the theaters, and it was very quickly critically panned, and and also with uh, some of the general audience just kind of panned the film. Th- that was not the reaction that Warner Brothers was expecting to get with with Batman v Superman, and that was kind of a little bit of a shock because I mean they, by all reports, they were fully expecting this thing to be received well. It wasn't. But the problem with this is Warner Brothers because of the schedule that they had and because Zack Snyder was going from one film immediately to another. In fact, I mean, Justice League was going to begin production in April. Production, like in April. So it was like, uh, how many weeks? Like four weeks? Two weeks. Was it two weeks from when it debuted? It was like two to three weeks. I mean, because it was was short. It was, yeah, it was the last, because the movie came out like the last weekend in March. Right. So there was really no legitimate amount of time that Warner Brothers and, you know, the filmmakers could react and try to say, okay, what kind of adjustments do we need to make? Well, they actually did make some adjustments at that time. And it was around that time, and it was even before Batman v Superman came out, they had already decided that Justice League was going to be a one-part film instead of two. I mean, this was reported back in early March or f- February, somewhere in there. We, we've talked about this one before, but it was it was reported very, even before Batman v Superman came out, that there was going to be a tone change for Justice League, and there was going to 
to be uh, just a one part film. Like all these decisions were kind of made early on. And then by what we know now, and it, it was reported at the time, but you know, we it was just very sketchy details at the time. But there was some reworking of the film in the script and basically what they're going to try to achieve with the film Justice League. That was all done. That was incorporated by Zack Snyder. Uh, they made those adjustments and he went on to film Justice League. And, and I think principal photography actually ended in like October or November of 2016, somewhere in that time frame. Well, from that point on, Zach was doing all the post-production work. So he was starting to put together, you know, uh, the, you know, they had the assembly cut of the film, which is just a, it's a really large cut of all the different scenes kind of put in order and they start to break that down and you eventually get what we call the director's cut. So that was all being worked on early 2017. And then we had heard somewhere in early 2017, some reports were like late January, that the director's cut for Just League, Zack Snyder's director's cut was was screened by himself and uh, I guess it was described, I think, in the Hollywood Reporter article as like some friends, I, I would assume peers of Zack Snyder's and probably some studio people. That was screened in late January. And from what we understand, it was not received well by the executives at Warner Brothers. That's where you get that that quote unwatchable that, that that unwatchable quote that people like to put in the clickbait headlines our understanding is whoever said that that was the screening that it was that it was came from that's our understanding yeah and then we know sometime after that point in time you know Zach was continuing to finish the film uh, later on we started getting some reports that they had identified the additional photography that they wanted to to get you know some additional scenes try to fix some of the issues in the film, you know, now that we know more now, it's, uh, there was, there was obviously more discussions about, Hey, that, you know, you wanted to make maybe more substantial changes than you probably would normally make with a film that was going on at that time as a director's cut was, you know, being refined and, and finished. And I would assume placeholders for what new scenes you wanted to obtain. All that stuff was kind of being put together. Well, then we got the news and May 22nd in 2017 that Zack Snyder was stepping away from justice league. And just to kind of go back, I want to go ahead and read some of the quotes at the time. And this is where we had actually gotten the public news on this thing uh, that that really I don't think too many people knew, uh, at least in our community, uh, that his his daughter had actually uh, committed suicide a couple months earlier. And so in here, this is where Zach was uh, being interviewed by Boris Kitt from The Hollywood Reporter. And this is where he explained that, you know, he was stepping away. And to give you some quotes, uh, he said, you know, the demands of this job are pretty intense. It's all consuming. And in the last few months, I've come to the realization that I've decided to take a step back from the movie to be with my family, to be with my kids who really need me. They are all having a hard time. He says, I'm having a hard time. And he says, here's the thing. Uh, I never planned to make this public. I thought it would just be within the family, a private matter or private sorrow that we could deal with. When it became obvious that I need to take a break, I knew there would be narratives created on the internet. They'll do what they do. The truth is I'm past caring about this kind of thing now. So that was the kind of news that we had at the time. So this was Zack Snyder. We'll just say the Snyders were basically saying that, you know, with all the stuff going on, they decided, you know, they need to be with their family. And so Zack Snyder had stepped entirely away from Justice League. 
Craig. Okay, so he, uh, I think we need to start here with this whole story because this is where people start really, I guess, tying themselves up in knots about was this the truth? Was this a lie? Was this a PR ploy by Warner Brothers? Was this a PR ploy by Zack Snyder? I feel like this is, I think after reading that quote, I feel like this is where we need to start having this conversation. Yes. Do you agree? I would agree. Okay, we can tell you what our interpretation of events are based on this. Because I was very interested in going back and reading this quote because I'll admit the thought was, was Warner Brothers using Autumn Snyder's death as a PR move? Was Snyder using his own daughter's death as a PR move? You know, is this a PR move at all? You know, the questions the questions were spun. The questions have been asked in the past week. And in fact, this past week, I think some really damning headlines have been made uh, with one grand assumption about, uh, and I'll just say it, is like there's been headlines saying that Warner Brothers was using Zack Snyder's daughter's death death as a reason for firing him. Or, or as cover, or, or not as a reason for firing him, but as cover. For as firing cover. Him. Yeah, that's that's more accurate. So I think we need to talk about this thing because I, I think there's some things Warner Brothers is rightfully guilty of when it comes to this whole situation uh, with the, you know, the making of this film. And then there's other things that they're blame, being blamed for right now, which I don't, th- which I think is unfair. Okay. So if we look at what Zach said in this interview, because this interview was done, uh, in person. You got to remember that he, that Snyder's giving this interview to Boris Kitt in his office on the Warner Brothers lot and Deborah's there with him. I, I, I had forgotten that part, to be honest with you. Uh, knowing what we know now, here is how I interpret what Zach is saying. He says, the demands of the job are pretty intense. It is all consuming. And the last two months, I've come to the realization. Okay. So he's talking about the two months since Autumn's death. He's come to the realization. I've decided to take a step back from the movie to be with my family, be with my kids who really need me. They are having a hard time and I'm having a hard time. Okay. We know Warner Brothers was putting pressure to change this movie. I don't, I think we could say we know that at this point. Yes, it's pretty clear. My interpretation of this is that nothing that Zach said is a lie. I think if anything is quote guilty, is just the omission. And let me explain this. I can imagine the last two months have been awful for him after the death of his daughter. I can't imagine. Especially if you consider that the two months prior to his daughter's death, he has already been put pressure on by the studio and he has lost a significant amount of creative freedom and he's being forced to turn this, to take notes and turn this movie into something that he does not want this movie to be. Then pile on his the death in the family and then, he, and then he's tried to stay, you know, they took two weeks off of production and then he comes back and tries to throw himself back into the work and the studio is still pushing him to make these changes, which... I can imagine as an auteur that he is, he finds uh, intolerable that it's like, this is my movie. Let me make my movie. And they're like, no, you're going to do it this way. And when he says, I've come to realization, I decided to take a step back from the movie to be with my family. There's nothing, there's no lie in that statement. There's just him going, I'm over this. I need to be with my family because they're having a hard time and I'm having a hard time. If you look at it just from the professional side, I think he was more than happy to just kind of walk away from that. If you look at the 
the personal side, he needed to be away from that. And so that's something that, you know, when we talk about, okay, so we need to go back to the word fired here. So what we're seeing, what what we know, and what other people have kind of, that other people that know more of the situation, it seems like a decision was made by the executives with Warner Brothers that they were not happy with where this cut was going in January. And hard decisions were made. And at that time, we also know that, you know, in retrospect, we know that the Snyders and the production company, Cruel and Unusual Productions, that they were going to be less involved with the DCEU planning going forward. Like that was that was kind of a hard decision that was made. Now, you got to remember everything with the DCEU up to this point, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, uh, you know, the Wonder Woman film, uh, Suicide Squad. Well, I'm not entirely sure how involved cruel and unusual was with Suicide Squad, but like the the whole planning about where this universe was going to be going, this was largely driven by Zach and Deborah and Wesley Collar and also Charles Roven. Charles Roven. And so all the stuff was kind of being driven more so from, I would say, a production partner with the studio. Yeah, a co- yeah, co-production. Co-production partner. Yep. And so, yeah. and it wasn't like a studio-driven vision. Okay. So all that said, at this point in time, you know, because prior to this, they had brought in John Berg and Jeff Johns, and they were trying to have more, a little bit more of a uh, Warner Brothers executive type of influence to help direct this universe. Well, a hard decision was made somewhere in the January timeframe that they were going to kind of change course and that Zach and Deborah were not going to be involved in the day-to-day decisions going forward beyond some of the agreements that have already been made. And when we talk about that, we have to bring that up because I, I've been seeing that as something that has been brought up this past week. They say, well, people have said, well, Zach Snyder, if he was fired, why is he still the executive producer or why was he executive producer on one woman why is he still producing uh you know aquaman aquaman wonder woman 2 wonder woman 2 so you got to remember this these are relationships and agreements that are made between production companies and the studio so these things are already in place but we need to we need to be clear. We we have every reason to believe that going forward they are not going to be involved in any major decision. When we talk about decisions. You got to remember if you go back to like a 2016 article in the Hollywood Reporter with Boris Kitt, uh, they talked about. This was an interview with Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder. They talked about what they did as executive producers and producers for the DCEU. They were involved in day-to-day operations. Like, they were seeing dailies of the films, of all the films they were producing. They are working on budgets and casting. Casting, yeah. These are all major decisions. They're not, they're not part of that anymore. So when we, what we interpret when people use the word fired, it's that. The fact that Cruel Unusual Films, as a co-production partner, lost that overall control over these DCEU films. At least the films with the Justice League characters that Zack Snyder had cast. Because you gotta remember, Zack Snyder and Cruel Unusual Films cast Ben and Henry and Gall and Ray and Ezra and Jason. So that's why he's still an executive producer on Wonder Woman 2 and why he's still an executive producer on Aquaman because his production company was there when those decisions were made. Right. So let's so let's talk about that. So if you're kind of fired, we'll just use that term here to kind of describe uh, a major change in a relationship that happened, which we think was somewhere around the end of January. If you were kind of fired going forward that, you know, you're not going to be helping to direct and steer where the DCEU is going. Well, that's one thing that, that 
that's kind of like on the executive and a producer type of a level. Zach is still a director on this film. That's a whole different aspect of his relationship with the studio. So at that point in time, we think, you know, like we said, the the executive decisions were made. Well, that's got to be a big blow to Zack Snyder. At the same time, we've got every reason to believe, and and obviously the you can see it with the end result, that Warner Brothers decided to take a very heavy hand on kind of like the, the near end product of this film and brought in Joss Whedon at the time to come in and so-called punch up the dialogue, uh, rewrite some of the scenes, and really basically change the whole approach of what they were trying to do with the film. And I think specifically like the third act. That was all done we believe directed by Warner Brothers, you know, also changing, you know, who the composer was for the film. I guess what we don't know is if Hans and Junkie XL had decided that, you know, they didn't want to be part of this anymore because of the change in direction, or was it a Warner Brothers decision to move them out and bring in Danny Elfman? We we don't really know specifics about what happened there exactly. Right, and, and the whole idea that Hans's retirement from a superhero movie lasted for one movie and now he's off doing Dark Phoenix, and is very interesting. <laughs> it was very interesting. Yes. So he avoided the whole situation pretty early on. I, I, it, I need to go back and see when that announcement was made. It was in June. It was in June. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Justice League production had already started. So Hans is already out of there. So Junkie's taking over. Well, let's remember, let's remember, I think even earlier than that, I think Hans was going to be stepping away. And I can't remember the exact timing, but it was principally going to be Junkie XL. Right. And so, but for the fact that Junkie XL to be on there for so long until the time that he got replaced, and even the tweets that he let out was like, yeah, you know, even my mentor said, you've never really made it until you've been replaced on the movie. So I got the sense that Junkie didn't step away. Junkie's pretty much saying, I got replaced. Yeah, and that was basically implied. Uh, but it, what's interesting and what I'd really like to know the story is like, was what what really made Hans want to step away? Because we know Junkie was involved in some of the early trailer music. Of course, he's actually worked with uh, Gary Clark Jr., who made that great, you know, Come Together, Come Together cover. cover. Yeah. yeah. So so it's there's some other details. And, you know, like we said before, like we said back early December last year, like this stuff's going to start to come out now. And I think the floodgates are open and, and there's a story to be told here. And and maybe somebody's going to do a great documentary about this someday and maybe we'll learn a lot more. But, you know, that kind of thing is going to take some time, obviously. So the point is, is that our our understanding at this point is Zach basically reached a point where he was like, I'm not putting up with this. But being a professional and needing to still work in this business, he's not going to go and air the dirty laundry in front of the press. Because you've got to remember, Cruel Unusual Film still has an office on the the Warner Brother lot. And not just that, I mean, let's remember, every single film that Cruel and Unusual, every single film that Cruel and Unusual Films has done has been with Warner Brothers, except for Dawn of the Dead. That was the very first film they did, and every single film after that has been... A Warner Brothers... Yeah, Warner Brothers has been involved with it, with every single film. So there's a relationship there. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of that we're all playing nice, we're having a bad time right now, and like you've talked about, when it comes to these intellectual properties, these high-stakes IPs, people get a little touchy. 
And so this is why, I mean, so this is why I want to, uh, I want to, before people start going, well, Zack Snyder just used his daughter's death to get out of it or to hide the fact that he'd been fired. No, I mean, he pretty much said in his interview, I've come to realization, I've decided to take a step back from the movie. I don't think, I don't think Warner Brothers told him you're not working on this movie anymore, but I think they made the situation so intolerable for him that he just went, I, 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 I can't can't deal with this right now yeah this is the thing like Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers have a pretty good working relationship up to this point up until this film like there's been a pretty strong relationship you know he's like like Scott has said they they even have space on the studio for cruel and unusual films so like you know this is somebody that Warner Brothers wants to work with and and I think Zack wants to continue working with Warner Brothers I could be wrong in this but I think he wants to continue working because they've given him opportunities to do some of the things as a young director at the time. Uh, he's more seasoned now, but I mean, he's been able to kind of do a lot of artistic and creative things. So like they've got that relationship. I think what's happened here is I imagine Warner Brothers was pretty excited about his vision for what they were going to do with, you know, the DC properties, you know, based on what he was able to do with Watchmen. And they kind of gave him free reign to say, hey, try to make this thing work. My guess is they really liked the product, both with, with, uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I think they really liked it because, I mean, Warner Brothers always likes to try to do something a little bit more creative and, you know, as they self-advertise, be more of a like a creator-driven, director-driven studio. I think they like they like all that. It, But the problem is with these properties that have a lot of emotional attachment to them, they weren't received well by people that have a lot of preconceived notions about what they want to get from these characters. And that was something that I don't think they were planning on. So now, when it comes to something like this, that goes well beyond uh, well beyond just the films. When we talk about the DC intellectual property, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all the other characters that go with that. It goes well beyond the films. There's the there's TV, there's video games, there's commercial products, there's all kinds of other revenue streams. So, when it comes to like these this intellectual property, I think the parent company in Warner Brothers is like, "Well, we need to we need to kind of stay, take a step back and we can't we can't be getting too off of the mainstream with these characters." And that's and that's what we've seen basically happen with uh, by the time Justice League w- was finishing up production. And, and I want to give a metaphor. Basically, they jerked the reins. Uh, and and if you go back to some of Zack Snyder's social media posts, and I want to give a call out to Fiona, you know, from you know forsnydercott.com, who's been showing some of this. I mean, she, there has been some very telling posts from Zack and people who know Zack. There have been you shared one, Tim, of sometime was it in. May or June that was the um, a picture of uh, James Earl Haley from Watchmen with a hashtag no compromise. There's been a couple of uh, or, or Clayinos Clayinos did one and Zach did one that was Rorschach and they said no, never compromise even the face of Armageddon that line from Watchmen. Uh, there was also very telling that you know in late May there was a post where he was like I'm looking forward to you know talking Justice League and and, and you know Showing, showing, I think like a ship probably from one of the Aquaman shoots that also had the name that was an Easter egg for Fountainhead. You know, this film he's working on developing, and then it was like a couple of days later, like before the news hit or after the news hit, that then there was just a 
capture this picture of him looking at a sunrise or sunset or something. And that was kind of the signal of I'm out because that's when the whole the the no compromise, the, you know, the 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 Vero posts that don't that that make more sense now that we're starting to get a, a an overall picture about what was going on. So, I mean, I, I think so. I, I think Zack Snyder obviously was very bothered and hurt uh, kind of by this this sudden change of heart about what he was going to be able to do with Justice League. And, you know, and uh, looking at it in retrospect, I mean, you can see you can see signs that he was kind of posting little hints in trying to show that, hey, this thing's further along because he kind of saw where this thing was going. I mean, we have images of uh, doing some of the, you know, the the re-recording of dialogue with Gal Gadot. He had posted an image of that. We saw some of the uh, color correcting and the color correcting and things like that. Like he was like putting little hints out there that, you know, that these that things were kind of far along because he knew what was he knew what was coming. And we detailed all of this. Uh, we detailed what we knew about this uh, in that same episode in 131. Go back to that. Stephen M. Colbert has a great article. Uh, I think it says the Snyder Cut was further along than we thought that covered a lot of the same ground that we covered and did a little bit more. Um, so if you're interested in that, but but Snyder was posting things all along, even into like March and stuff. That it was his birthday where he showed that the Aquaman swimming up to this, you know, the scene that doesn't exist anymore right. <laughs> of Aquaman swimming up to the statue or to the armor, you know, that kind of thing. You know, that was that was like March or something yeah. like that. So, so I mean, but there's definitely a point where like like his control of this film was severed, and and I think that's where we, you know, we saw kind of like those abrupt signals, um, you know, the Rorschach one and things like that. Like I, I kind of feel like all these things kind of kind of be lined up, and you can get a better sense of kind of how all this went down and and we'll know more later on you know as as, as more people kind of dig into this and, and people are more willing to talk as time goes on yeah now one thing that we do want to say is we're not completely absolving Warner Brothers of anything because no. there's there's some Warner Brothers bull crap we gotta call out I'm going back to this Hollywood Reporter article with Toby Emmerich who you know of course um, doesn't have that same position anymore does he no uh, when he, when they talk about the directing is minimal and it will adhere to the style and tone of the template that Zach set bullcrap. He's handing the baton to Josh, but the course has really been set by Zach. Uh, we'll still end it with a great movie. Okay. Well, I think they thought they were. They thought they would. And some people, th- and some people, th- and some people like it, but we don't, uh, we personally don't on this show. And this is where we go, no, no, the directing was not minimal. No, they were not continuing the style. Of no, this is, this is where most of us get, uh, most of us in the pro Snyder camp get really, get our cockles up is because we were sold, we were sold a bill of goods that uh was pr spin and was not true at all and so and the part about this because it took me a while to finally get to the point you know right when the film eventually came out where uh and i've talked about it before where my expectations were kind of level set correctly uh it took a while to kind of get there because it wasn't just the things that toby emmerich was saying and it wasn't just the things that uh maybe chuck rovin was saying at the time or or some of the other players but it was also the actors when they would comment on this thing like they would kind of one after another say that you know this is clearly still Zach's film and we had all these little things trying to give us confidence that yeah, okay yeah you know there's going to be some of these other touches put in it but it's it's going to still largely be Zach's film like we weren't getting a lot of indications that it wasn't I mean we'd heard rumors that there was significant uh, additional photography being done uh, we had heard that well I, I can I can think of another one when we had Ray Fisher actually show up at Comic-Con he was wearing the I love Zack Snyder shirt and that was like a really strong show 
support. In retrospect, knowing how much his story got truncated, this was his kind of way of like giving a signal that, you know, he appreciated what Zach did. And he was kind of like all in on the Zach camp. So I don't know. It's... So that part, I think it's entirely possible. Maybe early on at the time, that was what they were intending. Like they were intending kind of minimal changes, you know, or they maybe their intention was they thought, okay, well, we'll add the stuff in. It'll still feel the same. Well, in the end, it, it didn't. Like you can definitely feel the differences, you know, between the directors and the content they added. And and even, even bigger than that, when you look at the trilogy here, you can see that, you know, the overall themes and, and the fantastic story for Superman that Zack had developed and was trying to bring to completion in Justice League, you could see that whole story just got truncated. Truncated or pretty much just got, I mean, cut off at the knees. Right. Personally, and this is where I'm going to bring this in, especially when you see the deleted Return of Superman scenes that were released with the digital home release this week, and you want to look at those scenes going, WTF, why did you cut that? out. I mean, there was the arc for Superman right there. That first deleted scene was completely, it made the arc, it was the payoff to the arc which we lost in Justice League. Yeah, the one where he's walking through the Kryptonian ship and gets his costume, because you gotta remember the old one had a giant gaping hole in it, and choosing it, walking past all these different options and choosing the Superman costume. And then the second part of that scene, which was revealed later, that is a parallel scene to the first flight scene from Man of Steel. Right. There, there was such symmetry there, and that's that's the beauty. I mean, this is, you know, we that are Zack Snyder fans, this is the kind of stuff that we love because there's so much visual detail, which is just not necessarily obvious with the first viewing. But when you start to study these films, you see all this kind of stuff. And it was such a beautiful, like, bookend to, you know, the first flight and then to the return of Superman. It would have been a beautiful bookend to first flight if it was in the movie. Yeah. Now, the second scene, um, since we might as well just touch on these since we're talking about it, the second scene... Uh, you know, he said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. I understand why that scene was removed because that didn't exactly fit in with the way they had kind of rewritten that third act. Because the whole point of that Superman entrance in the third act in the theatrical release of Justice League was that Superman's big return was going to be that uh, that kind of hackneyed line where I believe in justice. I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of truth, truth, but... just whatever it was. It was not memorable yeah. for me. <laughs> but like that was like you couldn't have had that scene where where he showed up talking to Alfred and still have what they were trying to achieve with the scene from the theatrical release. So so I understand why they cut it. I don't like it because I would have rather have had that other scene, but like I understand how it, it didn't fit in with what they did to the movie. Did to the movie. But that other scene could should have been in there. <sighs> So yeah, um, and yeah, I think that's. I, I it comes down to the fact that I, I I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this I'm, because we we understand if you are someone who is upset by what this means personally for Zach and for the movie of Justice League. I think it's fair to say that I, I'm speaking for myself. I, I won't speak for Tim. I have I have been feeling the same feeling. I'm there with you. I get it. Okay, I, I'm there. Tim, I'll let you step in and. Yeah. and 
and and share you your your share time. Yes, and and as I've said before, I'm I'm a Tim of two worlds on this film because I can look at this film and I can enjoy a lot of the film. I had a good time watching the film. It was not exactly the Snyder film I wanted, and and you know as time has passed, I've kind of soured on the film uh, because like I started thinking more about the film in context of the trilogy, and I got more disappointed with the product we got. But I look at the film and I enjoyed it. I feel like if you had taken a few different scenes out of the film, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. And I think actually a lot of uh, the people that really disliked the film, I, th- I think it would have, I would think it would have gotten a lot more people to actually like the film from the Snyder camp enough so that they could accept for what it was. All that said, let me just say, let me let me say this when it comes to the end result here. The the way Warner Brothers had kind of they kind of like dropped the ball on how they reacted and adjusted this film because and it's a number of reasons for one it was the production schedule was not favorable for them making good adjustments or adjustments that wouldn't result in what they ended up resulting with here that's kind of on Warner Brothers as a whole because of that overall schedule secondly they 100% can be blamed for what they did to kind of pull the rug out from underneath this film you know at the completion of the director's cut you know they're they can completely be criticized for that and they can be completely criticized for i'm gonna i'm gonna be strongly word lying to supporters of the universe up to this point and i think that's where i get my my righteous indignation is i understand that these films were not universe man of steel bvs were not universal but there were those of us who had support who had loved them and supported them the entire way and they tried to keep us on board Warner Brothers tried to keep those of us on board who had really enjoyed what we'd gotten and all they did was you know put their foot in their mouth when we saw what they gave us and we were like what the heck is that so that's another place where Warner Brothers is completely culpable in this situation and they completely and should be criticized for that the one thing I will say this though uh, for all that which they're completely fair game I am not in the camp and I don't and I think it is unfair to criticize Warner Brothers for saying that they were trying to use Zack's family tragedy as cover. You got to remember, none of this became known until Zack and Deborah gave that interview back in May of 2017. None of this was out there. And, and the first person to actually use or kind of bring up the idea that that was actually tied to one of the reasons that he was stepping away was, was Zack himself. And if that was the line, and this was an interview, this was, as far as I know, this was an interview between Zack and Boris Kitt, and I don't think uh, any studio heads were sitting there with him as he was being interviewed. Boris Kitt doesn't mention it. Boris Kitt says it was Zack and Deborah. It was Zack and Deborah. This was this was something that Zack and Deborah, we'll say Zack, this is something that Zack had said. These are the words that he had said at the time. Now, if Warner Brothers references that or mentions anything along the lines of like, well, you know, Zack is going off to be his family, you got to remember, this is Zack that said that. So it is unfair to criticize the studio in that aspect. But believe me, there's plenty of other places you can criticize <laughs> what happened with this film uh, against the studio. But that's not one of them. And I would I would caution our listeners and anyone else who's very passionate about this. I would I would caution you to be very careful about kind of how you express yourself express yourself when it comes to this aspect of it with respect to Warner Brothers. The rest of it's fair game. And and yeah. there's one other thing I would also say about 
about that. <laughs> um, when it comes to like kind of pushing back against the studio, I would just say try to be as productive as you can be. You know, when you when you when you criticize the studio on this, I think when some of the anger gets a little bit out of hand, it's counterproductive. And and believe me, I understand. <laughs> I completely understand. I feel it. I feel. I feel it too. I'm, I'm thinking it. I, yes. I'm thinking it. I'm there with you. I'm just not typing it. Yeah. I think that. I think that's the difference. Is I'm I'm supporting my appreciation for Zack Snyder and what he had done for the DCEU up to that point. I am I am doing my fair bit to support the idea of an eventual release of a Snyder cut of this film because I still do believe that there's enough of this. I still believe there's enough of that film finished that it would be minimal. I don't think it is finished, but I think that there would be minimal, relatively speaking, production needed to finish what that film was originally intended to be by Zach. Um, but I also acknowledge that there are healthy, productive ways to go about doing that, and there are counterproductive ways of doing that. Uh, writing expletive-filled social media posts fall into the counterproductive camp because then you're just going to be ignored. Yeah, it does. It does. But, and we're not trying to diminish the hurt feelings and anger you might have, like we said. No, 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 because trust me. We feel you it. You can't, I, we feel it. Oh boy, I, I spent another sleepless night after, well, when the digital release came out. I'm not sure if I told you the story, Tim, about how I couldn't go to, I, I think I said this to Ray in our Patreon discussion. Um, I couldn't go to sleep the night after I saw Justice League. I was so upset by it. And some of those feelings came back with the release of the digital cut and um, no I did not buy it no I'm not going to uh, but there were but I watched the deleted scenes because those were Zach scenes and brought all those feelings up again so yes I'm there with you I, I'm I have literally lost sleep over this movie as ridiculous as that might sound it's just been my emotional reaction to what's been going on with this movie because I was so excited for and I, I do hit and I have one last thing to kind of say about the studio you you got to keep in mind when it comes to filmmaking, the people that put up the money get to and have every right to manage the the filmmaking and the the cut of that film however they like. They can also reap the consequences of doing that. Right. I will say that. They're the ones that are putting up the money at risk. You know, uh, the studio, the investors in the film, any of these other production companies, they're the ones that are kind of taking the financial risk that the money they're investing to get this film made, to get it produced, to get it distributed, that they're going to make money back on this thing. So you got to remember that. It is not, as much as we love Zack Snyder, he's not putting up the money and taking the financial risk. Well, a little bit because he's co-producing the film. So with, with cruel unusual films, like there's there's some, but not a lot. Okay, there's some, but like I can't imagine it's 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 significant. Significant. I mean, it's it's significant to you and I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you know, so you got to remember, like there's a lot of other players in here, and it is the studios as a business, and for their shareholders, and for the executives themselves, like they they need to put out something that is going to be profitable. If they continue to lose money on a film, they're not going to have jobs, or they're not going to continue. 
to make those films or the investors are not going to be investing in the company. So it is their right to make these decisions. Now, they have to balance that out against maintaining and attracting talent and keeping a fan base. And that's that's where you can rightfully criticize the studio for decisions that have made been made here. Now, I kind of stand hopeful that, you know, you've got a different set of management in here. We'll have to give it a little bit of time. We'll see what happens. But I kind of stand hopeful that they're going to try to do something to try to heal up the, the divided fan base on this. And they actually made that exact comment in the press release about Walter Hamada being put in charge of DC Films. They acknowledged the schism that has developed in that press release. And so obviously they realized, or I hope they realized, uh, they burned a lot of bridges. And hopefully with Walter Hamada's leadership, they are making a conscious effort to try to rebuild some of those bridges. Now, I do know what some of you are saying, because I'm kind of there with you. Once again, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm one of you. Um, release the Snyder Cut. That would that would heal a lot of bridges. That would build, a, build back a lot of bridges. Okay. Tim and I were having this discussion beforehand. Um, we are... This is what I think we're on the same page about this. Um, I disagree with any article that you read that says we are never going to see a Snyder Cut. And they can give you all these reasons, and I kind of call BS on some of the reasons, it, because they're writing it from a perspective of, we will never get it. No, 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 no. no. I, don't th- I don't think it's possible. I, I feel like Warner Brothers knows that they can make more money if they release it. I mean... Well, I, I, this is where I would disagree with you. I, I don't know that they're ever going to make money releasing it, because I still think it's going to take a substantial amount of money to finish it. But that said, go ahead and finish your point. Okay. But the but my point is, is that, one, after all of this coming out, it, it this is a later rather than sooner, okay? I, I look at other releases and go, and people have released director's cuts of movies that significantly change the movie. I think I, I, we go back to Superman 2. There was a movie from Paramount called Payback with Mel Gibson where they kind of bumped a director off and they completely rewrote the, the third act of the movie and it was directed and written by somebody else. You know, th- that's the situation. And eventually, years later, that director's cut comes out. What I'm expecting and I'm managing my expectations is I still think a Snyder Cut release is possible. I just see it years down the line. But I would challenge someone who would say that, who would speak in such absolute terms to say it's never going to happen. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as well. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's inevitable to happen. I hope it's entirely what Zach would want that cut to be. And I, and I guess I know it has to be, right? You can't advertise it as a director's cut for the DGA rules unless it's actually his cut. No. No, you can no you can you 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 can uh because the Blade Runner's director's cut that Warner Brothers released back in the 90s Ridley Scott has had absolutely nothing to do with that right but wasn't that part of the why those rules were clarified a little bit that I do not know that is a good question because that's because that becomes a marketing term and I don't know if there's any rules that that regulate um, the marketing like that so good question though I don't know yeah well we should have Colbert on here to talk through that because I know he dug into that a little bit and I just can't remember the specifics on it okay um but so so i would agree as well i think i i think they can still do it and and for those that make the argument that well you know which one's going to be canon i kind of make the simple argument that if you're still going from point a to point b but you just take different paths to get there and in the end result it's still the same characters and the same kind of like ending situation I, i don't think it really matters so much i wouldn't i wouldn't let that be a reason why you would never see it if there's no substantial changes to the characters or or if like if a character goes in a whole different direction between the two different cuts in between.
between, you know, then I could see people being worried about, you know, which one is canon. But I, I don't think it really matters because we know that the ending of, of both films was essentially the same. Yeah, it was the, the shirt rip. Yep. And then uh, I think uh, I think even in the Snyder Cut, it was probably the uh, the end credit scene was probably still the same. If that was an end credit scene and just wasn't cut in the movie someplace, you mm-hmm. know. That, right. So, yeah, I mean, I... I I still I I think part of it also is Tim and I don't I have to I have to hold on to the hope that it will one day be I, I I just do like and I don't need anyone yelling at me or screaming at me or telling me no is never going to come out because I am going to mute you and ignore you because I need to have the hope that one day it may be years from now but one day it comes out so I get to enjoy that version of it. Mm-hmm. all right I think yeah. we, I think we have some other bits of news should we cover. Well, then, <laughs> kind of related. Um, yeah. This, okay, I want you to tackle this. Yeah, so on the day of the digital release, we had a little bit of a surprise. And we did have some indication that something was going to happen. There's somebody that I talked to that knew something was going to come out probably on Tuesday, maybe on Wednesday. And just out of respect for this person, I didn't uh, I didn't ask what the details were, but uh, it was basically characterized that, you know, it was something that you have to see and not as much like news. And so that's all I really kind of knew about it. Well, on Tuesday dropped the storyboard that was kind of later confirmed. And I'll get into some of the details, but I'll just in general, it was a storyboard that appeared to be one of Zack Snyder's typical storyboards that he does, that he does for every scene. Uh, he basically storyboards his own film. And it was a scene that kind of tied back into the Nightmare Batman scene, but it actually had Darkseid in it. And uh, Scott, maybe you can describe the scene a little bit better as it's storyboarded out. Okay, so as it's storyboarded out, the camera pushes in on uh, a frame of Darkseid sitting on a throne, uh, holding a staff. Some people have, you know, commented whether that's maybe High Father staff or not. Uh, pushing in on a close-up of Darkseid, with the red eyes, you see a mother box basically go nuclear, which then allows for a push-in shot of the rubble of destruction uh, of what is the Hall of Justice, with the sequence ending on a shot of the Omega symbol burned into the ground, just like we saw depicted in the Nightmare Batman sequence from Batman v Superman. Right. That was the scene, and it's all, and it's on a one-page, one-page storyboard. But obviously, the the implication, and we, and there's more details that Tim can share. Uh, but there was an implication that there was supposed to be another nightmare sequence in Justice League that would tie back into the nightmare scene from Batman v Superman. Right now, this was simultaneously released by Screen Rant, the Four Snyder Cut website, and there was a third one. I don't know which one it was offhand, but it was all released at exactly the same time. So this was something that was obtained by a few different sites. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. And and I don't know what the arrangement was. I haven't asked and I haven't I haven't reached out to anybody involved in this. But apparently whatever the reason was, whether it was the three sites agreeing or whether that was the stipulation that you can release this at this time, they're all released simultaneously. Now when I first saw this, I I looked at it and I questioned, okay, well how do we know this thing is authentic? Now, if we actually go to Stephen M. Colbert's article about this on uh, Screen Rant, he actually kind of gave a little bit of background info on this, and he did say that Screen Rant has confirmed that the storyboard is, in fact, from Zack.
Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. So, and I have no idea what their confirmation method was, but they're at least, uh, you know, this this publication is, is stating that they have confirmed it. They've confirmed it enough that they're willing to publish it. And so that's really, really kind of interesting. It, it's It looks very much like the other storyboards that we've seen from Zack Snyder. The color is a little bit different, uh, and who knows when those get actually put in. But the line work matches up with other Snyder storyboards that we have seen published, yep. like the Deathstroke Lex Luthor scene, which we know was a Snyder shot and was in the movie there was the uh, uh i think the lowest lane was it the lowest lane i'm trying to remember it was like there was a storyboard at least panel of the kent farm no there's a whole storyboard sequence it was the, a whole the... story yeah that was that was a whole storyboard sequence on that one so so we've, we've seen these other ones before but there you know there was still obvious questions that should be asked you know is this in fact legit well i have another source that i've talked to and um the information i got is pretty convincing that it's legit so anyway um this of course, <laughs> as some people said, just got Twitter a fire on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, like, like, like Twitter wasn't lit enough that day. Right. Um, <laughs> ju- th- this was gas. There was already a fire and somebody just dumped gasoline on yeah. it. So uh, th- uh, let me, before we talk about it, cause I want to talk to you about this, Scott, cause we really haven't talked much through it. Uh, I want to get some of your thoughts, but like, let me read off some information that kind of came along with this. Okay. Hit me. Uh, so part of the information that came with the, um, the passing on of this of this image was actually that this was a nightmare sequence that was happening in an alternate future where the Justice League had already come together and built the Hall of Justice at Wayne Manor. They were using the mother boxes that Darkseid, or using the mother boxes, Darkseid had devastated the Earth, and Superman had actually joined forces with him. And it was likely because of the loss of Lois in the incident that he blamed Batman for. And I'm taking this right from Stephen Colbert's Screen Rant article. He said, after he kills Batman, Flash travels back in time to warn Bruce, and while it's still a bit of a mystery exactly what his words mean. Bruce's dialogue in the trailers referring to the dream about the end of the world, Luther's warning, and the appearance of Darkseid in the storyboard, the him in Flash's warning uh, could be Darkseid. And he said this instance that Lois is the key is a little more obvious as the concept still made it into the theatrical cut of Justice League with Batman referring to her as the big guns. And apparently from this article also this sequence would have happened during the Superman resurrection scene while Cyborg was plugged into the scout ship uh, when Flash zaps the mother box to bring back Superman that basically it's Cyborg having this dream like Cyborg's the one having the nightmare uh, instead of Batman instead of Batman and then this explains why Cyborg's systems react the way they do to Superman because his mind is remembering the nightmare and then that's why he his his auto defenses go up for Superman because his body's reacting to his brain's memory of Superman as a bad guy yeah from this nightmare alternate timeline that kind of makes sense because I remember watching that on my second view and I'm like well, why exactly does cyborgs you know the mother box why does it react so violently towards Superman and this kind of like explains it <laughs> if this scene had actually happened so it 
does kind of put some context to this. So, and up to this point, it had been kind of denied that Darkseid was going to be in the film at all. And so this might have been a matter of like, okay, this was the surprise. Like Darkseid was going to actually appear in the film. Who knows? We don't know anything beyond the storyboard at this time. We don't know if this thing was actually filmed, if anything with this was actually filmed, or if it was all purely in the visual uh, effects space uh, yet to be completed. Or rendered, because this is obviously going to be very CGI reliant, I would assume. However, apparently based on scenes that were cut from the trailer, cut from the movie that were still in the trailers, and uh, the fact that Cyborg does have a freakout moment with Superman, and I think even Cyborg says something about weight or something, like, like he, he, like, in the middle of them resurrecting Superman, he has a reaction where he's like, wait a minute, something's not right, or something. It's like all the pieces are there for that dream. So the movie was still shot and constructed at one point as if the sequence was in the movie. Right. So the only question is, we're getting the storyboards... And the question just becomes, okay, the intention was for the scene to be in the movie. The question is, is it somewhere? Is it rendered? Is it shot? And it's just another one of those laying on the cutting room floor things. Or was it intended but never finished? Once again, question marks. We have no idea. So what I kind of find interesting to this is I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Screen Rant kind of at the word that they have confirmed their satisfaction that this was in fact from the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So was it a story? storyboard in the Snyder Cut, because we know sometimes those director's cuts aren't completely finished. They may just have literally a storyboard in place of, of a sequence in the film where, you know, they're going to fill it in later. Right, and I've seen that. I've seen that before. We've seen that before, yep. Yeah. So it, it could be that. We, we don't know. We don't know anything beyond that. We don't know if there was actually any physical actors in this or not. We, we know nothing about it. But um, I think the fact that whoever had this and was able to release it to different people. At the same time. At the same time, if this was just a conceptual piece, I don't know that this would have necessarily been released. But this really kind of indicates that this could have been something more. <laughs> like, like this, this had this had significance. Well, and for it to be released on the day that the digital release happens. Yep. Yeah. This so, was this was a statement. So somebody somewhere along the lines in the production chain on this thing, you know, I mean, this could go all the way from who knows, you know, a low level assistant <laughs> on the set may have had this thing somehow, or. It could have been all the way to the top. Who knows? It could. We don't know who released this information, but somebody definitely wanted this to get out on a very specific date across a couple different avenues of distribution. <laughs> so, so anyway, Scott, what are your thoughts? Would you have liked to see the nightmare nightmare sequence continue? Hail to the yeah! <laughs> Absolutely. I I, yeah. I I I feel like anything else would be hyperbole, but you just want to add to my internal fire and and my desire for a actual. Snyder cut to be released at some point. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I will say is that this storyboard, because it intentionally, it intentionally uh plants a seed for Dark Side. Um, this is the this is one of those things that when I start talking about will a Snyder cut when will a Snyder cut possibly come out? Or and when you were having the discussion about canon, well, you know, if if stuff goes from A to B, like I still think the movie ended where the movie was gonna end anyway. Mm-hmm. But I could see something like this being a sticking point I do because too. it hints at a character that who knows if Warner Brothers ever wants to go back. I mean, you still heard Darks, but but you know what? Even in the even in the theatrical cut, he's uh, Steppenwolf still says 
for Darkseid. Yeah, he does refer to him. Darkseid still gets a name drop in the movie. Heck, this would have been great because you at least would have known who that was. Yeah, because the general audience has no clue. The general audience has no clue. So once again, it's a, it's another one of those faults of the movie, in my opinion, that it's like, there's a name drop of who's that. So I take back my statement of, you know, this might work against it. No, if they were willing to name drop Darkseid in the movie and you have all the other Kirby fourth world stuff there, I don't see why having a version of the film with this scene as a part of it disrupts anything else. Because if you're willing to name drop him, I don't see why showing him is any big issue unless you're concerned about the way he was rendered in this movie and you'd want to make him look differently in a future film. But then I might look at other films where a character's appearance has changed over multiple films and nobody says boo. Well, Steppenwolf looked quite a bit different. Yes. Between Batman v Superman and this. Um, So that was kind of like my immediate reaction. Well, not immediate, but like as I kind of thought about this storyboard, I'm like, you know what? I think the fact that the scene may have existed in the director's cut, to me, this this kind of like tilted the chance of us getting a director's cut anytime soon kind of in a negative direction because I kind of felt like if anything, if they're not ready to kind of go down that fourth world path, fourth world kind of avenue right now, like who knows where they're really wanting to kind of take these films now. If they don't want to go down that path just yet, then I can see them not wanting to put this scene out there. But in retrospect, if you kind of look at this thing, like for the people that watch Batman v Superman and kind of like were shaking their head and scratching their head, like, well, what does this scene mean? Like they have no idea what this nightmare Batman scene was. Like they couldn't figure out what this was all about. This would have explained it. Well, this people would have gotten it at this point. They're like, oh, this is going somewhere. Like this has a purpose. Like this, this wasn't a one-time weird kind of vision that Bruce Wayne had. Like, no, something is developing here. And to me, that would have just kind of built up quite a bit of excitement. Well, it kind of goes back to the fact that when in that one trailer in the scene that got deleted where Bruce mentions the dream he had, I was excited. I had Twitter conversations with people going, yes, they're not dropping the nightmare sequence. Like, they're still going to pay it off. Yes. Which then (laughs) added to my... (laughs) (laughs) When I actually saw the movie. So... Uh, yeah, but but within but what do you th- when you're saying you're concerned? But do you also? But what do you think about the point that I bring up that well they mentioned Darkseid anyway in the movie? But I don't know. Maybe they're just gonna go all in with like the Legion of Doom type of like storyline for a little bit. And if that's the case, then maybe they just don't want to do dark you know show Darkseid just yet. But but the thing is, I still kind of feel like we're we're years away from a Snyder cut anyway. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. So who knows? Anyway, so yeah, that was the that was the thing that lit Twitter on fire. <laughs> All right, we're running long, Scott. Let's hit a couple things real quick, and then we need to close out this episode. We can we can bump a couple of these things in next week. Oh, uh, I think we can hit. I can think we can hit some things pretty quickly. I mean, if there's not okay. So Aquaman Shrine on Twitter is uh, saying that uh, attendees to the WB licensing event this past week says that the Aquaman movie costume is quote exactly like the modern comics version. So and Aquaman Shrines had good information previously. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at this at all. No, 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 no. And remember, there was that there was like little manquette we saw a few months back that we were like, mm, is this, is this not actual? And so this is maybe lending more credence to the idea of, well, maybe that was something. Yeah, no, I could see it. And we always kind of felt like that was kind of like an early costume anyway. You know, Batman v Superman was just well, the same thing with the Flash costume and even the yeah. Cyborg one. I mean, obviously, you know, these things are evolving and, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, especially when you, it, this was a film where I think you were clearly having uh, Jeff Johns and John Berg involved and I think you know the the whole idea of like okay let's get back to the idea that these this is intellectual property 
property that we have to really kind of preserve. Yeah. This would kind of lend towards that. Yaya uh, mentioned that he was crazy hyped for Aquaman. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> this That's a shocker. <laughs> I know. Heaven forbid you hyped on a movie you're on. Okay. He's hyped. That's good. Go talk into a trash can some more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Mark Strong is promising that uh, there will be funny moments in Shazam. I don't think this surprises anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been hearing that straight from the director himself. Yeah. We got to see what all their chairs look like, which yeah. I, lo- I love the font. It's very comic booky. I was going to say that exact same thing. You stole my thunder. <laughs> uh, very purposely, very comic booky. So, which is which is cool, which is, I mean, I, th- I think that just kind of goes along with, like, what we should expect from this film. Yeah. Um, there was an interview with the two guys, the Daly and Goldstein, who are in negotiations to direct Flashpoint, that basically they, they're they saying that uh, DC gave them a list of properties and said, is there anything you're interested in? Which kind of lines up with what they said about Joss Whedon, too, where they kind of walk into a room with stuff and you just kind of go, ooh, I like that. And uh, they apparently were interested in Flash because he's more ground level of superhero, which then relates to, you know, their writing duties on Spider-Man homecoming right so but they also emphasize that they're still deal making they're still working on a contract so no one has signed on the dotted line yet so this is not a done deal all right cool cool and then just the last little bit i'm having to twist tim's arm because he's already looking at this recording going why but not true um no you totally are going to edit out the 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 complaining you're doing uh matt ryan had an interview with comicbook.com that said that he is uh in the next couple weeks doing one more recording session to finish off the animated Constantine series that's going to be on CW Seed. So it's coming, apparently. They're, they're wrapping it up. I'm, I'm waiting. And um, he said that the animation is very reminiscent of the work on Justice League Dark, nice. which I think the little clip they showed confirmed that. So it's coming. And and I haven't watched the Legends yet, but I'm much more excited for this animated Constantine. I, I love this. I love the fact that the, there's the Matt Ryan Constantine is like the little engine that just won't quit. <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so glad they can't kill that, you know, cheeky little bastard. Yeah. I, I'm going to make this prediction. Constantine is going to come back at some point on the CW in a live action show. Oh. Prediction. Prediction. Bold prediction here. When you when your favorite show, Legends of Tomorrow. Stop it. Stop it. We're going to let that joke die. Eventually. Actually, I, I think it's I think it's actually going to play out more so when Supernatural, if and when that show ever goes off the air. <laughs> right. Because basically Constantine would just be a Supernatural it show. Would. Yeah. It would. Yeah. yeah. You just tell that audience, hey, we're switching over that's a good call that did that of course that would require supernatural to get <laughs> off the air yeah well they keep like talking like they're gonna it's the last season and then they just like it's that one's the little engine that just keeps going as well oh man well guys this has been a long episode we spent a long time on a very complex story yep and uh, we want to thank you if you've made it this far we want to thank you for listening yes definitely and uh guys if you want to reach out to us you know we love hearing from you guys please do not hesitate to do it you can reach me uh, on Twitter at Alan Fire, and then you can reach a show at Suicide Squadcast. You can reach me at ScottDC27, and of course, you can email us if you feel like it at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. All right, you can check out our webpage at www.SuicideSquadcast.com, and if you would like to help contribute to the network and to the show, you know, we are a fan-supported network, you can go to www.Patreon.com slash SquadcastMedia, and uh, at the $5 level, lots of extra benefits. Awesome. Well, guys, 
guys. Um, I, I would say that's it for this week, but that was quite an episode. Yeah. So to all of our listeners, we thank you. Uh, we support you. And we want you to go out and keep reading DC. Yep. See you guys later. Bye. thought we were going to have an easy week this week you know this was the week that we were going to finally get the home digital release of justice league we can kind of talk about some of the added scenes and and finally kind of like say you know what now we can finally move on past justice league you know there's no more news that's possibly going to hit about justice league yeah that didn't happen at all (laughs) yeah who do we blame for this i mean we were all kind of fat dumb and happy i mean we even kind of referred to this back in early december that there was more to the story but you know what people kind of forgot about it and it was time to move on but just Josh L. Dickey was in his DGAF mode and decided to reveal that the separation between Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder was not quite what was advertised. There went our week. Yeah. So, Josh, thanks a lot. Okay, recording. Okay. I'm backing out. I think okay. I'm good. Let's see. Let's get my uh, DJ voice on. <laughs> I love the fact that Matty Feck now finally can figure out, <laughs> at least between you, me, uh, Brent, and Ray, who, who's who. That stuff cracks me up because, like, like that was one of the things that, like, when I was trying to find hosts, like, I, I wanted our voices to all sound different. <laughs> And I think between the four of us, like, I think we all sound completely different. I think so, too, actually. No, I was, like, real worried about, like, Chris Rimmer and Jordan Funk because... Oh, I still, I still, I still have to stop and I I still have to work on that. Well, I get them now, but, like, I I know their voices now, but, like, they were a little too similar. And I was, that was, like, my biggest fear. And I don't know why. I know it's kind of a stupid thought, you know, to be worried about that. But, like... No, it's not. No, it's not. Because, trust me, I've sat through podcasts going, who's who? Who's who? Yeah, I get that. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, because I think uh, I think we all sound completely different, which is kind of funny because I I've kind of figured like, well, somebody should be able to pick up on us pretty quick. But, you know, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not as easy as I think. Or maybe people just aren't paying that close enough attention. Yeah. What the f***, Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. All right. Enough of that nonsense. No, no, I was actually doing a bit. I know. Oh, okay. I didn't. Well, okay, let's it's start this over. Give and take. Okay, like, sorry. Some, um, were, I, I can't work with you anymore. I swear. Yeah, I've been off. I've been. It's been two weeks. I've lost it. I've lost Come my. On, should, I've lost my touch. You've got the touch. You've got the power.